Hi, everyone, and welcome to episode 94 of the Tick Bootcamp Podcast. The title of today's interview is Lime Stole My Love for the Game, an interview with Madison Lewis. My name is Richard Johannesson. And I'm Matt Sabatello. Today's podcast guest is Madison Lewis. Madison Lewis is a 22-year-old entrepreneur and social media influencer from Los Angeles, California. Throughout her high school career, Ms. Lewis was an extremely active young woman. She was an athlete on multiple sports teams. She got good grades and had a busy social life. In August of 2015, Ms. Lewis failed the running test for her field hockey team. She immediately knew something was wrong. Her knees and her ankles swelled, and she had a lot of pain in her joints. Ms. Lewis had two tests for Lyme disease. One came back positive and the other one negative. Her doctors dismissed the results. Ms. Lewis was subsequently misdiagnosed with depression, lupus, heart failure, and multiple sclerosis. Once Ms. Lewis was officially diagnosed via blood test, she treated with oral antibiotics. Lyme has forced Ms. Lewis to slow down and has unfortunately caused her to lose a lot of her friendships. But Lyme has also given her the ability to accomplish her dreams. She is now working towards opening her own production company for music and movies. Hey, Madison, and welcome to the podcast. Hi, guys. Thanks for having me. Well, we're really blessed to have you, and we thank you for taking time out of your life to share your story with the folks who listen to the Tick Bootcamp podcast. So can you share with our listeners where you're calling in from? I'm currently calling in from Los Angeles, California. That's where I've been living for about three years now. So Madison, what kinds of things did you do when you were growing up? And what were, what were your goals? What were you pursuing during your high school years? When I was growing up, I was extremely driven. Like I knew what I wanted to do. I knew how to make it happen and I was making it happen. Um, I, my dream was to play division one field hockey in college. That was always my dream growing up as a kid. I would be at a different tournament, different practice, different private lesson every day of the week. Like my, my life was eat, sleep, field hockey, repeat. Like that's literally all I did as a kid. And it was really important to me to be able to get a scholarship, to go to a really good college, play at a really high level. And I would always be just doing things for that. Like I would always be at practice. I got a personal trainer pretty on in high school. Like I was very motivated, very determined. Nothing could really like set me back. Like if I got injured, my teammates would be the first people to tell you, like I would play through anything unless like my limb was falling off or I was like concussed or like something like that, you know? But like, I, like, I just, I had a goal. I had my mindset to it and that's what I wanted to do. Like that was, that was it. There was no, there was really nothing stopping me, or so I thought. <laughs> now, Madison, you, you indicated that you wanted to go to a really good college. Now, why did you want to go to a good college, and what were your goals when you graduated from college? So I kind of, I really wanted to go to a good college just to have that solid foundation of education after high school. I wanted to always have a degree to fall back on. I wanted to go there to meet new people, make connections, kind of just set my future up. It's always been about my future in my head. Like, I always have wanted to try to do everything possible to set myself up to be happy and like successful in the future. And I thought by getting a really good education, playing a sport at that school would be, that's really all I wanted to do. And then afterwards, I always knew I would move to LA to make movies. Like that's been my like goal since I was like, can remember probably like five or something. Like I've always wanted to make movies that interested me more than anything in this world. So I wanted to go to Villanova or I went to Villanova. Yeah, I wanted to just learn more about the industry, the communication aspect, just kind of everything. 
And so, Madison, your your goal was to be in the entertainment industry, and you were using field hockey as a vehicle to get you into a good school, which would then be your vehicle to the entertainment industry. Correct. Yeah. Tell us when you first started to exhibit the symptoms of a tick disease, and how did that impact your ability to either use athletics as a vehicle to school or as school as a vehicle to your uh, career in entertainment? So. Well, I've been, now that I have like digested everything that has happened the past few years, I can remember my very first symptoms being my senior year of high school. So I had been 17 at the time and just like weird things started happening to me. Like I said, I was extremely active in the gym, like four hours a day in the top shape of my life, like very, very, very in shape, very fit, could run a mile like that, like no questions asked. Um, and I had like a super, super sharp memory. I would be able to tell my teammates like anything about the other team. I would be able to recount every goal they scored, every pass made, who made this, who was good on the other team, who we have to worry about, who scored last year, what the exact score was, who assisted everybody. Like I could tell you like down to the fine detail of everything. And I specifically remember one day my senior year of high school, one of my teammates came up to me and was like, y'all like, so how did we do against this team last year? Are we, like, are we going to win? Like, who who should we watch for? And I just remember standing there dumbfounded, like, oh, my God, like, what? Wait, wait, like, I can't remember. Like, I don't, I can't remember anything. And my, even my teammate was a little confused. Like, wait, what? Well, are you okay? Like, you always know everything. Like, what's wrong? And I'm like, I don't know. I really don't know. Like, I can't remember. And then, like, after that, just, I started getting these weird pains in my knee, in my hip that would kind of come and go like they would bother me for like a day or two but then just kind of go away so I never really saw them as anything because I was just so like resilient and just I pushed through anything like nothing could stop me so I I never really paid mind to it and then I would say my the beginning of college uh is when my symptoms really took a turn for the like they really seemed to come out because I was always a very confident just kind of let's go kind of person. I never had any kind of experience with anxiety or depression. I was never sad. I was never had a panic attack. Like none of that. I didn't even know what that, like I knew what that was. I knew what anxiety and depression was, but it never personally affected me until I got into college. I would wake up every day just bawling my eyes out, like uncontrollably sobbing. Like as if somebody in my family had just died. And this was every single day. And like, I could not for the life of you tell you why this was happening to me. And people were asking me, like, are you okay? What are you sad? Do you miss home? Like just trying to make up every excuse in the book as to why I could be upset, you know? But I'm like, deep down internally, this isn't me. I'm not upset. I'm not sad. I'm thrilled. I'm living my dream in college right now. Like at the school I wanted to go to on the field hockey team that I've worked my entire life to make happen, like literally, and now I can't stop crying. And then after that, it just, I don't know if you want me to get into all my symptoms right now, but everything just well, kind of hit the fan after that. We are massive. But I want to walk back for a minute. And I want to talk to you about your high school experience. So you indicated that you were a driven athlete who was very clear thinking, and you were essentially a leader on your team that would help your other teammates prepare for the competition that you were about to play. How were you physically different when you first started showing the symptoms? And I don't just mean how you were functioning intellectually, but talk to us about how 
capable a field hockey player you were before you started to show the symptoms and how you started to physically change after the symptoms began to present? I would say at first I was great. I could do anything. I was my normal self. But then once they started to present, definitely just, I would describe it as if like a haze or fog of some sort just kind of overtook my body. And I would wake up some days my senior year and like, no, I have a game that night and just kind of be like, okay, like, am I going to be able to play like myself or am I just kind of kind of go out there and go through the motions? And I remember, like, I would try deep down inside, like, everything I had in me to make it look like I was still me and, like, playing to my full potential. But I had remembered even, like, coaches and stuff starting to call me out and being like, you look like you don't care. Your body language is presenting, like, you don't want to be here. You don't care. You're miserable. And, like, I never understood. At the time, I was, like, dumbfounded. I was like, what do you mean I don't care? Like, what do you mean? I look miserable. Like, this is my favorite thing in the world to do is play field hockey. And like, like, wait, what? Like, I didn't even understand what they were coming to say by that. And like, it was definitely hard too, knowing like I was a two-year captain in my high school team and like knowing I had the whole team on my back, like it was my job to be the leader and everybody looked up to me. And there were some days I was waking up and just kind of like completely fell off. Even if I ate every meal of the day did all of my like preparation things that they tell you to do when you're an athlete like correctly if I did everything to a T I still would feel off in a sense of like my coordination would be slow it's almost like my body was in slow motion but my mind wasn't and no matter what I did it wouldn't go away like that like I just felt like a whole new person almost but at that time too Lyme disease wasn't even on my radar like I had no like and if I had ever said anything to like my mom or like a, a doctor or something at the time, like they would have just told me, Oh, you're just an athlete. Oh, you're just tired. Oh, you just need more rest. You need more water. You need to change your diet. Like this is that, like nobody really saw any of those symptoms as like a concern. Everybody just kind of thought I was like a moody teenager at the time, but I was like, no, like something's really wrong. <laughs> so Madison, so you, so you, you start to have interaction with teammates who are questioning why you were losing the capacity capacity to help them intellectually and then you started to feel some performance issues where coaches were calling you out because you were not performing at a high level were you having any social issues meaning were you were you in a relationship with anyone and or, or were you in uh, relationships with groups of people where you then started to have problems socially as well yeah honestly I would say by the end of my high school experience the people that I had been friends with like throughout most of high school and I had grown pretty apart and like I I was single no I, I was I didn't have any relationships or anything like boyfriends uh, wise but I did have like close friends for sure but by the time of my senior year it, I I had gone from having like a steady friend group to just having like kind of one to two best friends that I hung around only it definitely it definitely changed or it altered the way I was socially for sure. Now Madison, how is this impacting the rest of your family? How were your parents in, uh, interacting with you and do you have any siblings or are they noticing changes in you? Um, yeah, so my brothers, they're both kind of younger. They didn't really notice anything. I mean, my one brother was always really angry at me because I could never get up on time to take him to school. Like we'd be at school by 7.30, but like waking up for me in the morning, was like a painful traumatic experience like I know most kids like 
complain oh I got to get up at six for school like it sucks but like no like for me like it was literally like I don't even know like an analogy to describe to you how painful it was for me to open my eyes at 7am and try to force my body to get up. But that was terrible. My brother never understood why he's like, why can't you just get up? Like, just get up. And I'm like, you, like, I don't know. I don't know why I can't just get up all of a sudden. And then um, my parents definitely noticed with the whole field hockey thing, just because like, I was such like a, like, that was my thing with field hockey. They, they, they just kind of were unsure as to why, like, I, I would say, oh, mom, like, I'm really, really, really tired. And, like, I remember, like, I would, she took me to the doctor to get tested for, like, anemia or just, like, weird things like that. And, like, nothing ever really came of it. And she just was always just, like, like you're fine. You're tough. Just push through it. Just, like, figure it out. Like, you got it. Like, they never really noticed anything serious until, like, a few years later. Like, at first, so there were no, like something's wrong with you concerns everybody was just kind of like get over it <laughs> now madison a little while ago you said that uh you you didn't think about lyme disease and you didn't think about ticks and i and i think that's an important thing for us to focus on at this point you grew up in suburban philly as it turns out the state of pennsylvania has the largest lyme disease rate of any state in the country what did you know yeah. about ticks what did you know about ticks and what did you know about lyme disease and did you receive any educational information in school or anywhere else about ticks and Lyme disease? Honestly, like the bare minimum. Like I remember learning, like obviously if you found a tick on you growing up, like get it off, like tell your parents, go to the doctor type of thing. But the word Lyme disease, I hadn't even, like I was unaware of that disease probably until I think my friend, my freshman year in college, or either my senior year in high school or freshman year in college, one of my best friends at the time had been diagnosed with Lyme disease, but they had caught it so fast that, like, any time I had ever heard of Lyme disease, like, I never, I had no idea what Lyme disease was, <laughs> basically, until a, maybe a few years ago, like, the extent of it, like, because I remember my friend who had had it was treated real quick with antibiotics and back on his feet and he was totally fine within like two weeks so like once that had happened too like I, I didn't even think twice about it I, I really had no education on Lyme disease like I knew ticks were bad for you I experienced them obviously growing up a little bit um, just living in Pennsylvania I was always outdoors always basically always outside for tournaments and just playing in the neighborhood or whatever. But my parents were pretty good with also like routinely checking us for ticks and stuff. And I had never noticed one on me that I can remember. So. So Madison, you, you are ultimately able to graduate from high school and you get into your dream sco school of uh, Villanova university. Tell us how yeah. your experience at Villanova turned out to be something other than what you were dreaming about, meaning, how did your developing symptoms impact you athletically? How did your developing symptoms impact you academically? And how did your developing symptoms impact you socially? Oh, boy. Um, yeah, I mean, Lyme disease definitely made my college experience the complete opposite of what I thought that it would ever be. Um, well, for the first part of that, I guess, uh, athletically, the 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 day that I knew something was really, really, really wrong with me was we, so the first day of college preseason as a freshman, obviously I have to prove myself to the team 
that's like the most important part in athletics is like your teammates want you to like everybody has to pull their part you know so like me and being as a freshman I am expected to pass the run test like that's a no-brainer like if you don't pass the run test like what are you doing like come on this is a division one program now this isn't just high school you don't just sign up for this like this is serious so like I had been training my whole life for this. Like I had a personal trainer for the last three years of high school that worked one-on-one with me for like two to three hours a day. Like a run test should be of no sort of obstacle for me whatsoever. And I remember that day um, I ran the first, like we had to run like a gauntlet style test. So you have like six minutes to run a mile or seven minutes to run a mile, like two and a half minutes to run a half a mile and like so on and so forth down to like a 50 yard dash or something. And I remember I ran the mile and two laps into running that mile, my whole body just kind of went numb and started burning in like a way that I had never experienced before. And I was terrified because I'm like, here I am at a new program, at least like how this have happened like a year prior. And I was around all like my club like travel team field hockey like coaches and stuff who I'd known for years like it maybe would have been a little bit different but like these people didn't know me they just knew all the recruiting tapes and highlight tapes of me they knew what they heard from other people from me like I hadn't built their respect yet to like really so they really knew who I was you know wasn't just some like crazy person so I remember anyways two weeks two laps into this mile my whole body goes numb and I just and they're thinking in my mind like I can't just stop like I I trained my whole life for this like I I really just can't just stop so I pushed myself to finish that mile in six minutes and 45 seconds I will never forget that and I remember like stumbling over the finish line almost as if I was like intoxicated and like I could not feel my body at all I just collapsed to the ground and my entire body was numb and I started throwing up and like I I had never in my at that point like 15 years of athletics have ever felt a feeling like that before in my life and that was traumatizing and so scary and obviously no like they just told me I had been dehydrated or something like it wasn't even like a didn't even diagnose me with anything from that and then like that event in itself the very first day of athletics for me kind of screwed my entire experience with that because after that I just felt like Nobody ever really gave me the time of day or respected me um, just because obviously I was always the girl on the bench with like the weird medical issue or the weird, like nobody knew what was going on with her type of thing. And nobody really, everybody kind of thought I was crazy and faking, which like to this day boggles my mind because why would I have stuck it out and like come to a D1 program and like wanted to put myself through all that if I was just faking it all. But so Madison, but tell us how that made you feel. I mean, your, your your goal was to use athletics as a vehicle to get you into a dream school. You got into the dream school, and your first experience as an athlete on this team turns out to be something unlike anything you had ever experienced before, and now you're not seen as this elite athlete. You're essentially seen as a scrub who's now faking it uh, and coming up with excuses for why you're not performing. Yeah, uh, it was honestly, it was devastating. It was complete devastation because it's not like field hockey was just like, oh, something I did when I like was bored. Like field hockey was my life. Like and you were really good. Every, like every single day of my childhood had spent something revolving around field hockey. Like I was absolutely devastated that this was like, that this was happening and just crushed. 
but at the same time I wasn't just fully like shut down at that point I was like okay I'm gonna figure this out I'm gonna there's still hope this is only day one like I can still come back from this like that was always my biggest thing is I always kept my hope because I knew the second that I any kind of hope I lost my hope it would be over so like I just I just kept pushing forward because honestly that's all I've ever known how to do is just keep going and keep putting your all into it and keep just keep going so Madison let's talk about how you were doing academically you're now at this D1 uh, school, which is also one of the top Catholic schools in the country. Tell us about what your, what your academic experience was like when you started your classwork at Villanova. So when I first started my freshman year, I def- my grades were good. My grades were really good. Um, I was, I've always been good at school. Like, I, I wouldn't say I'm a genius or like a sh- like complete straight A student by any means, but like school to me has never really been too challenging. However, I would say my junior and senior year then became like, or actually no, the the second half of my sophomore year to now to like me finishing was literally living hell between either waking up in time to get to class because I, I would have to wake up at like six in the morning or five in the morning every day my sophomore year to go to team lift. And then even if I didn't participate in lift, like my fatigue from Lyme disease was so bad at that time that even if I woke up at five, just sat there for an hour, watched my team do its thing, came back to my dorm room by six, six thirty, I'd be passed back out until like one or two PM. I probably slept through more college classes than I actually attended just because like I couldn't help it. Like my teammates would people would have keys to my dorm room to like come in and like shake me and wake me. Cause even if they called me, I would not wake up. Like it was definitely really, really hard on my academics to like, juggle it all, like go to practice, go to class. And then there was even a point in time where my coach was like, stop coming to practice. I would rather you sleep now and go to class than try to do it all. Like it was that bad. And definitely even so like my, I used to be able to write an essay pretty fast. Like an essay, like give me a topic, unless it's on like neuroscience, you know, like just like a common, commonly like, um, proposed topic. I could write an essay pretty decently fast. It wasn't an issue for me whatsoever. But towards the end of my college experience, like last summer, even now, it is the hardest thing in the world for me to do is like sit in front of a computer and like type things that make any kind of sense. And it, I just feel like I'm losing my mind. Like it's crazy to me. But like, sc- like completing schoolwork, even just like the simplest like worksheet or like workshop or whatever I don't even know the terminology for like all that kind of stuff now but like that stuff is hard for me it's like my mind just like won't focus at all it's like I have ADHD times like a million it's crazy Madison part of your sleeping issues did you develop insomnia or was it just that you were sleeping far more than you were previously before you were sick no it was like I was sleeping far more than I was before I was sick no matter how much I slept I was always I felt as though I hadn't slept for like 10 days I'd be at team dinners like asleep on the counter and my teammates would be like shaking me like get up get up get up like what are you doing get up like I always just wanted to sleep I was asleep everywhere and then once I was asleep you could not wake me up unless like you were like jumping on me (laughs) and we know from your pre-interview questionnaire that you were sick for about two years before you got your Lyme diagnosis 
Were you misdiagnosed with anything from this constant sleeping behavior that you had, such as depression or anything like that prior to your Lyme diagnosis? Yeah, so I first started getting diagnosed with stuff um, a year before I had been diagnosed. So like all the stuff in my senior year of high school happened and I didn't go, like nothing happened. And then the beginning of my college career is when I started seeing the team physician or whatever. And I was originally diagnosed with like anxiety, depression, um, like a panic attack, asthma, I think. I was, yeah, I was diagnosed with a bunch of weird things, basically all band-aids to cover up the underlying issue. And Madison, at this time, did you believe that those were the real root causes? Did you believe that your symptoms were all caused because you were just depressed and had anxiety? No, I knew for I knew the second that those words came out of the doctor's mouth that was a load of crap because that hadn't been me my entire life. And I knew like overnight I didn't just develop some crazy panic disorder and like depressive depressive symptoms and everybody also blamed the fact too that oh you just moved to college it's probably really like it's your anxiety is probably really high you're depressed you're homesick but like I went to a college 20 minutes from my parents house I had all of my immediate family like within a 20 minute distance away like I was the furthest thing from anxious or depressed. That's all I talked about my senior year of high school was, oh my God, I can't wait to go to college. I can't wait to go to college. So then for them to sit there and be like, well, you're depressed and anxious and this, this and that. I was just like, no, I'm not. Like, no, this is not me. And then I, like, I would have terrible panic attacks on the field. Like, <gasps> like they sounded like that after I would run for a certain amount of time, which never happened before in my life either. So then they gave me the inhaler because you were like, you have a panic attack disorder, you're depressed, you have like asthma or something. And yeah, no, I did not believe any of it. I was like, this is not what's wrong with me. Like, not at all. I don't believe this for a second. And Madison, although you didn't believe this, these diagnoses prior to Lyme, what about your family and close friends? Did anybody in your family try to tell you that, look, accept this diagnosis, it's really a mental health issue? Or were they supportive with you and wanted to push forward to find a real diagnosis? No, my mom was always pretty supportive with me because she, she knew me. I mean, she, she knew me, obviously, and she's my mom. She was by my side growing up. She's always at these sport events and every social gathering like with me for the most part besides obviously when I got older but, like she knew I didn't have depression she knew I wasn't an anxious person like she knew that like these weird like all of a sudden diagnoses were just kind of a little bit off and like she believed me when I would be like this isn't me like something is still wrong but she just had no idea like what it was like she had no answers as to how to get about it but yeah she definitely she didn't believe him at all either so now that both you and your and your family are are really all along knew it wasn't a mental health issue what doctors were you seeing above and beyond those that were misdiagnosing you with mental health issues to get to the root cause of your symptoms well for the first year that I was in college I was kind of mandated to because I was a part of a division one program and they I don't want to say own you but essentially they do like everything like they basically like run your life so every doctor I went to had been through my school and had been through the team doctor's referral at the time. So I was seeing like a lot of specialists and this, like this, this and that, and not, they, they put me on all kinds of medicines, like anti, like steroids and anti-inflammatories and a bunch of random stuff. And like, none of it had helped at all. 
it wasn't until my mom actually took matters into her own hands and we went to our primary care physician. She was the one that told me that I had had Lyme disease. And this was like three months after my team doctor originally told me I didn't have Lyme disease. She looked at the exact same paperwork and said that I did have Lyme disease. So Maddox, I just want to back up real quick right there. So your team doctor ran blood work for Lyme disease and told you you did not have Lyme disease. Is that correct? Correct. Correct. And yeah. And now we're going to fast forward a few months and you bring those results to your family doctor, your primary care physician, and that, that primary care physician now says, wait, this, these test results indicate you do have Lyme disease. Is that accurate? Yes. And at this point, were you questioning why your, your original doctor was saying it wasn't Lyme disease? Like, what was that like for you emotionally to say, well, I was just told I didn't have this based on the same test results? Yeah. So this was, this had been then two years in the college and I, every day of my life, I was just like praying and praying and praying. Somebody would just give me a damn answer so I could like resume back to training. Cause like, it would be so hard to mentally like train my butt off and then like not get anywhere with it. And like, then have this doctor who, when things got really, really, really like four months before I had gotten the official diagnosis, my body like completely shut down. Like I'm a pretty thin, like skinny girl. I, my knees looked like I was a 400 pound woman. My ankles looked like I was a 400 pound woman. I could barely keep my eyes open. I could barely even walk. Like I, I got really, really, really bad. And they, my team doctor had run basically every blood test, every autoimmune test disease you could possibly test for under the sun on me because obviously something was really wrong with me at this point. And that's when he had come. I then had started to think like, okay, maybe this is Lyme disease. Because then to myself, I was researching all kinds of things because I was like, what the heck is wrong with me? And I was like, wow, this actually does sound like Lyme disease. Like, all right, like, cool. And then he came, it came back that he said, no, you don't have it. So I was like, wait, what do you mean I don't have it? Like, then what do I have? Like, what's wrong with me? And he went back to the same, oh, depression, anxiety, blah, 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 blah. And I, and I was just like, no, like, this isn't right. This isn't right. And then um, they had my school had taken me to one more doctor. They took me to like a or arthritis doctor who put me on prescription medicine for like rheumatoid arthritis and that just made my body 10 times worse than ever so then going to my primary doctor through my family when she was like yeah like you have Lyme disease like um we're gonna start treating you with antibiotics right away like to me in that moment like I had absolutely no idea what Lyme disease was or entailed at that time but I was so happy, like crying tears of joy that, oh my God, I finally have a diagnosis. Oh my God, I'm going to have my athletic career back. Oh my God, like I'm going to prove all of these people wrong. I'm going to show everybody like what I can actually do. Like I'm coming back. Like, let's go. Like I was so excited. So Madison, before this one diagnosis from your primary care physician, did any medication you were prescribed ever help? You mentioned steroids, you mentioned anti-inflammatory medication, you mentioned uh, medication for rheumatoid arthritis, did any of that ever help you or did it all just make you worse or sort of level no. out where you were? It either did nothing for me or it made me feel 10 times worse. 
And what made you go back to your primary care doctor with those Lyme results to have your primary care physician review them? Was that something you did based on your research or was it a coincidence? How did that happen? Um, I think, honestly, I think it was just my mom being like, okay, like we're getting nowhere with like these school doctors, like something's wrong with you. Like we need to fix you. Like, let's just, let's take it to the primary care doctor. Let's see what she has to say. Let's see, let's, let's see what's up. And this line test that was done by your sports doctor first and then brought to your primary care physician, was this the traditional two-tier testing, the ELISA test followed by the Western blot to see if you have Lyme disease? Yes. Were you positive on both? One, you know, do you remember what the results were? I don't remember, like, which test was which, but I, all I know is one was positive and one was negative. And did it ever get brought up by your sports doctor to clinically diagnose you? It seemed like you had most of the staple symptoms of Lyme disease. And many doctors will do clinical diagnoses based on the fact that these testing methods are so poor. Was it ever brought up that you could be clinically diagnosed with Lyme disease? No, he honestly just thought I was crazy. He he did not have any, I don't want to say he didn't care about my well-being, but like he had, did not want to spend any extra time trying to get my health back with me. He really just thought I was crazy and like would question the fact, like, do you even want to be here? Like, like no there was no effort on his part to like I remember I, I'm pretty sure I brought up Lyme disease to him and he was just like oh yeah you don't have that like blah blah blah, blah. and I was like oh, okay now before we get back to your diagnosis with Lyme disease and and the fact that you thought you were going to get a quick resolution and move on with your life were there any other symptoms you had such as cardiac issues with your heart or neurological issues or any other issue any other symptoms that you had that you can describe for us before the diagnosis? Yeah, um, actually, before the diagnosis, I had a really bad cardiac episode. I had been, it was during my preseason, so preseason's like two weeks of like intensive practices. It's basically all you do is practice for two weeks with your coaches and your team and whatever. And I had gotten through that pretty good, but by the end of it, when I started going downhill, and then I woke up one morning with like my legs were so swollen, like painfully swollen. My um, elbows and my my uh, hands were hurting, and like everything just like I felt like I was gonna die. Like that's that's the first thought that came to my mind was, holy crap, I'm I'm gonna die. I'm dying right now. Like I'm dying. Like I had never felt so sick before in my life. And I remember I called my trainer and I told her like. I don't know what to do right now. Like, I don't even know if I can get, because I had lived in like bunk beds in like a dorm room. And I was like, I don't even know if I can get myself out of bed right now. Like, I'm really scared. Like, everything hurts, everything's swollen. And I had had a few tests done like days prior, like on my legs and stuff that I guess like started to show symptoms of heart failure. I will never forget this day in my life. So then I remember my best friend had lived in the room next to me. She was also on my team and she had to come in and basically walk me down to my trainer or no, I was actually ambulanced. I was ambulanced with her. Me and my teammate were ambulanced to the hospital where then we met my trainer because everybody thought I was going into congestive heart failure because I had all the symptoms for it. My knees were so swollen, I could barely walk. I felt so sick to my stomach. Like, I literally, legitimately felt like I was dying. It ended up not being congestive heart failure, obviously, because I'm still here today. But, yeah, after that experience, I was, like, really, really thrown off because I was like, oh, my God, like, what is going on in my body? And 
still then nobody had had or nobody had had any answers at that point. It seems so hard to believe that you were having what looked like heart failure. You were having all of these physical symptoms, and yet they still said that you were causing these symptoms from a mental health issue. So how could doctors justify saying that you're causing yourself to have heart issues and heart failure and, and all of these crazy symptoms that are clearly physical in nature? That's like, to this day, to this very moment, something that I still try to understand because, yeah, like this, like my my main doctor that it, during that time period, for instance, like things like this would happen. Everybody would see my body being five times more swollen than usual. Everybody would see me being in pain. Like you would see me run across the field hockey field and then just drop because like my whole body would freeze up and go numb. And like it was clear and evident that there was something wrong with me. But any time any test was ran, it would just come back normal or something. And then they'd just be like, yep, it's all in your head. Oh, you're just making it up. But like, like you just said, like, how can you say to somebody, you're just making it up when somebody's knees are five times the size of what they're supposed to be? Everything that's happened to me has opened my eyes so many aspects of the world, but just specifically with the whole medical, the medical field, like, I respect doctors so much. Like, they have such an important job in our society, especially right now with what's going on, too, with the whole whatever. But it just boggled my mind being a 19-year-old 18 year old kid at the time that I all this began to go down that I had doctor after doctor after doctor like look me up and down they could see something was wrong with me but all they could do was either give me a bottle of pills and say you're crazy take these it'll help or just be like well you know the arthritis test came back negative so I can't really help you you're gonna have to go find somebody else like that just boggled my mind because I was like, isn't it your job to help me figure out how to get healthy? Like, do you think I want to be spending every day of my life going to see another doctor, explaining to another doctor everything that is going on with me, and then being told over and over and over, well, you're fine. You're, you're, I can't find anything wrong with you. Like, it really just opened my eyes as to like the medical, like doc- doctors in general, like really. I don't know. They failed me. They have, I will be the first to say it. Doctors have a hundred percent failed me personally. And granted, I don't want to, I'm not trying to like talk bad on doctors by any ways because they help millions, thousands, hundreds, whatever people a day. And I'm sure I'm going to need plenty more doctors in my lifetime to help me too. But just that initial, like being so scared as a kid and like just being so just kind of like thrown under the bush because, oh, well, like I can't figure out what's wrong with you. So like, you're fine. You're you're just crazy. You're just having anxiety. Like that to me was just the biggest like eye-opening like what is going on in this world. And Madison, you you are this sounds weird to say, one of the fortunate ones because you are such a strong, motivated and and such a person where you just have this devotion that you know something else is going on. We've we've heard yeah. other countless stories where people have gone through all of these doctors after a few years, they give up and just accept it that they're not going to get an answer and stop fighting. But you kept fighting over this two-year window as you got sicker and sicker and sicker and fought for your life to you until you got your eventual diagnosis. So I think that's something you should be proud about in, in this horrible, broken system that you kept fighting to get the diagnosis that you needed to get yourself on a healing journey. So that's something you should really reflect on and, and be proud of. No, thank you. And yeah, like to me, it just wasn't like, 
again, not discrediting anybody with an actual anxiety or depression disorder. Like they're two very big, scary, terrible things that, I mean, I experienced myself obviously because of the Lyme and like brings it on for me, but like, I knew that wasn't me. Like for them, for these doctors to just be telling me like, you're just depressed. I'm like, no, I'm not. Like, I know I'm not. You can't tell me that I am if I'm not. Like there's something else. Like I just refuse to be, yeah, just be belittled upon and be like, and accept and something when it's not, when it's not true. Madison, what advice do you have for folks who are in the throes of their diagnostic journey, who have not yet gotten a Lyme disease diagnosis, but may believe they have Lyme disease? How would you recommend that they interface with their doctors differently than you interface with your doctors? Well, I think having the knowledge of Lyme disease or even the suspicion of thinking that's what you have is definitely really good because like not it's not really good at all by any means to have anything Lyme related but if you have an idea that what you have could be Lyme disease that's already a step ahead of where I was when I was in that position because then you can specifically target your doctor search to Lyme literate doctors or like people that are because the whole doctor world gets very confusing like all the doctors that I had originally encountered I guess technically didn't believe that I had Lyme disease like they just almost refused to acknowledge Lyme disease as a thing but like there are a whole realm of doctors out there that like target Lyme disease specifically or like will like cater to tick-borne illnesses so I would definitely say if you're like just starting out in your journey or you have all these crazy health issues all of a sudden and you're not sure why and your regular doctor is no answers for you find one of these specialized doctors even if it's more money because some of them don't accept insurance which is unfortunate and awful in itself but like definitely find a doctor that will hear you out and listen to you and have the means to want to work with you personally and not just write you a script and write you off and say see you in a month type of thing that would be my biggest piece of advice just for your mental well-being too like so you don't have to sit there and go to 10 different doctors and hear you're crazy, you're crazy, you're crazy, you know? Madison, you just hit on something that's really important. The average doctor interferes with a patient's description of his or her or their symptoms within seven seconds of meeting the doctor. What advice would you give the folks about how they can make it so that their doctors are more likely to listen to them and not interrupt them within seven seconds of their uh, initial contact with their doctor? I would say... Start with your craziest symptoms instead of just saying, oh, I've been feeling, because I feel like when people go in, or at least me, take like me using my personal experience, you go in and you're like, I'm a lot more tired than normal. I feel really sad. I want to cry all the time. Like that, I feel like right there is, okay, you've got depression, like blah, 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 even though I know I don't, but like, that's what it does. Like, I feel like the more lot like because with Lyme disease we experience some crazy symptoms like I've had Bell's palsy before where the whole side of my body's gone numb my face is drooped like I feel like if you go like in leading with more crazy or just like alarming symptoms I mean maybe you haven't had them yet though if you're still early on in your diagnosis stage but I would say anything that would really truly get the doctor's attention to be like wow this is okay this is a problem Madison, let's fast forward again to that doctor's appointment when you were told you have Lyme disease with your mother in your primary care physician's office. So you 
you noted that you felt we finally figured it out. I'm going to be back to where I was pretty quickly and you're amped. So describe for us what that was like moving forward, what your treatment course was and how you felt when you started that treatment course. So I was that day was at the time the best day of my life. And they had put me on two weeks of doxycycline at the time. So that was the first time I had ever taken the doxy. Um, and I took that for two weeks and I honest to God felt like my normal self after those two weeks. It was crazy. I would go to practice and instead of like get this like burning feeling in my body, um, cause during this whole time too, I was still pushing myself to play field hockey, even though they were tough. Cause they, I would sit out for a few days and then the doctor would tell me, Oh, nothing's wrong with you. You can play. Even though I felt like I was dying inside, I would still play because that's just the type of person I am. And, um, I was so happy. I was like kissing the ground, kind of happy. Like I was just ecstatic that like, wow, I have my body back. Like this works. Like I'm cured. Like, great. Oh my goodness. Like I did have Lyme disease. Like everything's okay now. Like I honestly felt amazing from the, those two weeks I took the doxy for about two months. I felt completely great until it all came back. <laughs> so talk to us about when it all came back. At this point, were you just taking doxycycline and you were good for a short period and then it all came back and nothing in your life changed? Yeah, so I had taken the doxy, I think I want to say for four weeks total initially, finished out my season at that time. I was a sophomore in college at that time. And then we had gone home for like winter break. And I remember I was feeling great. I was back in my personal trainer doing my like really intense workouts um, with my one best friend and me and her were killing it. Life was great. I was like, yes, guys, like this is my year. I'm coming back. I'm going to shine. I'm going to take out like I'm back. Like I am back. Like, let's go. And then I remember there was this one day I was at my personal trainer and I was running this like crazy intense treadmill workout, like with intervals and sprints and all this kind of stuff. And all of a sudden my body just started going numb. And it was that exact same numb feeling that had happened the day of my run test and like had happened other times, like in between too, but those were just two of the most substantial circumstances. And um, yeah, that, that feeling came back. And I remember I just kind of stopped and my personal trainer was like, what, what are you doing? Like, get back. Like, why are you stopping? And I, I honestly just started bawling my eyes out. And I was like, I feel like I can't go again. Like, I feel like that feeling's back. I feel like this Lyme disease is back. Like, I don't understand. Like, I thought I was, like, cured. Like, I, I didn't get it. Like, I, I had no idea what chronic Lyme disease was or what post-Lyme disease treatment or whatever you want to call it. There's so many names for it out there at this point. I had no idea that was a thing. I had no idea that two weeks of antibiotics in hindsight did absolutely nothing for me besides I guess give me like two months of like seemingly normal life but yeah it was honestly the most heartbreaking day of my life because like I had said earlier I'd had so much hope up to that point that like this would just all go away and I could just be like the normal Madison that everybody knew I could play field hockey perform at the level that everybody knew that I could type of thing. And like that day really shattered my soul. I was just like, Oh my God, like it's still not gone type of thing. And after that, that's when I had gotten my official line doctor, um, Dr. Shuckman, that man 
I was, oh, wow, he really, like, saved my life. He was the one that then, like, double confirmed that I definitely had Lyme disease, but he, I forget the terminology you had used earlier. Um, instead of the, like, he saw the blood tests that both doctors in the fall had seen, but he then diagnosed me clinically, I guess is the right way to say it, off Correct. of my symptoms, because I had, had gotten then so bad again, basically relapsed pretty fast. But at that point, with insurance and everything, I didn't qualify for a pick line yet because he then had taken more blood work in January. And this is the tricky thing about Lyme is that my levels came back almost like non-existent. Like it, it came back as though I did not have Lyme disease, even though my physical symptoms completely overturned that. So I went all spring on doxycycline again, minocycline, clindamycin, like he would rotate my knee on all these oral antibiotics that honestly just ripped up my stomach to this very day, really didn't do much for me, in my opinion, at all. And I believe too, at the point that I was at, any bacteria that had been in my blood was probably killed by the initial doxycycline and anything else was just like infested in my joints and tissue and stuff, you know? So it's like, of course, it's not going to come out in a test. So because of insurance purposes, I wasn't able to get the pick line because I didn't have thousands of dollars to pay out of pocket um, to do that. And with no levels, like there was no pick line. So I continued on the oral antibiotics until the summertime when I was retested. And at that point, my levels came up like sky high. Like I had bands on bands on bands. And that's when I was able to get the pick line and it was all covered through insurance um, and everything. But yeah, it was for me the oral antibiotics really didn't do anything except like just destroy my stomach. Okay, and now at this point you're still feeling the same. You've made no improvements over the year. All of your Lyme symptoms are back, and now you're moving on to get a pick line in. So, can you walk us through the progression of the oral antibiotics to the insertion of the pick line, and now having IV antibiotics at that point? Yeah. So yeah, the oral antibiotics really didn't do much. I mean, I would say they kind of kept me functioning better than when I wasn't on anything but it really wasn't much improvement like they honestly did nothing for me in the hindsight of things and then once I got the pick line that that six months of my life was honestly living hell that was pretty pretty really it was just brutal oh my goodness um they first put the pick line in and I started off on the IV version of Z-Pack or like Zithromax and um, that absolutely destroyed my stomach like I could not anytime I would go in for my infusion I would throw up like the entire time it was awful like it was just I don't even know how to describe it it was so awful and if anybody doesn't know what like a pick line infusion is basically like you have a permanent port in your arm that they surgically take in and take out and it stays there for mine stayed in for six months and you have to go get infusions of antibiotics and you have to sit in a chair for two to three hours while this bag drips slowly drip by drip by drip into you so like the first one the um the z-pack was terrible so then they i'm allergic to penicillin which kind of makes things a little bit more complicated for me because a lot of the or i think there's a really popular penicillin drug that's used to treat Lyme that I wasn't able to use. So 
they put me on vancomycin, which is like a very, very, very strong antibiotic. And I would have to sit there for three hours a day because of if it came into my body too fast, like the amount that they were giving me a day, like I don't, like I could literally die. Like I could just die of toxicness or toxic. I don't know the terminology. And um, if I also did it too fast, I would get red man syndrome, which happened a few times to me where my whole body would just turn bright red. And I would have to take like a ton of Benadryl to make that go away. So it was a really scary process. And I remember my first time getting like my dressing changed, which is basically when they change the bandages, like protecting the line going into your arm. I literally passed out like cold, just passed out cold. I remember waking up to my nurse, like shaking that little salt packet in front of my nose, like, hello, hello, hello. And I was like, what just happened? Passed out cold, did not do very well with that entire experience. And the entire time I had a pick line, I would never have, like, that was probably the sickest I've ever been in my life. I was throwing up every day. I just looked awful. Like, and I honestly just looked not like myself at all. It was terrible. It was a terrible time in my life. <laughs> Madison, what was your Lyme litter doctor saying? So you're now on the pick line for six months and you're feeling worse and worse and worse and not getting any better. Yeah. So in the beginning, like I said, it was so bad, but he, my doctor was great and shout out to him. He um, actually had a medical emergency last summer and is no longer practicing medicine, but he, <laughs> unfortunately for me, but um, he was always very reassuring that you get worse before you get better, which is a very weird thing to say to your patient. Like, yeah, you're going to feel a lot worse, but then you'll get better. And obviously at the time I was like, wait, what? Like, I'm going to get worse first? Like, I, I already feel like I'm dying. But he was always very nice and very reassuring. And he was on, on call basically 24 hours. Like, I would call I could call him at 3 in the morning if I had an issue that I needed a question about or if I was concerned about something and him and his nurse that was always firsthand with me, who is honestly still my best friend to this very day. Um, they were nothing but just reassuring and just like, we'll figure it out. We're just, we got to take it one day at a time. If this doesn't work, we'll try this next. Like that's normal. That's not normal. Like it's okay that you're not feeling better yet. Like you just got to give it some more time. Like he, he was very, he was probably my favorite doctor I've ever had, hands down. So the fact that they were telling you you're going to feel worse before you get better, which is very common, unfortunately, with Lyme disease because of herxing and the, the, the fast die-off of the bacteria, and you're basically making your body toxic. Why did you decide at the end of that six-month window with your doctor to stop the IV antibiotics at that time? So we had decided by, the, by I guess, the six months, I don't remember. I guess initially the plan was to do it for six months and see how I felt. And then by the end of it, I actually had started feeling a lot better. Uh, I'd say by like November, December time, I was feeling like really good on, I wouldn't say perfect by any means, but compared to how I had been, I was almost like a whole new person. And I honestly kind of decided I to stop it slightly prematurely like I did think my doctor wanted to continue another month or two but I was actually that time was when I was moving to Los Angeles and since I was feeling so much better I decided to just get the pick line out in Pennsylvania and then move the move out 
finish my move to California and stay on oral antibiotics. He wanted to then put me back on oral antibiotics and I think like a few few supplements or something at the time and then just see how I how I was from there. Describe first what it was like moving from Pennsylvania to LA and the the transition from the IV antibiotics over to the oral antibiotics once you now were in LA. I mean, for me, moving to LA was my dream since I've been literally like five years old. Like I've always wanted to move out here and just the timing that it all kind of happened, like LA was just kind of like my my paradise. It was like the light at the end of the tunnel for me because um, I had quit field hockey after my sophomore year, which was like really traumatic for me because like it's something that I had worked my entire life for to do. And I just, I didn't want to be anywhere near like Philadelphia I just wanted to be complete like I just wanted to start my life and just I don't want to say like put that all in my past because that, that's who I am that's what happened that's how, like I just kind of I was excited to just get out of Philadelphia and all the negativity and all like the bad memories of the of that time period and just kind of have a fresh start in LA and focus on like my future and music and movies instead of Lyme disease and my roommates when I first moved to LA were very very supportive of my whole Lyme disease thing and they always had my back with it they were always very like are you feeling okay like what can we do like this this, and that and like they always just made me feel really comfortable about it too because that's another thing like back when I was in college and stuff like I feel like I really had nobody to talk to about it because everybody just kind of thought I was nuts but then, like, once I moved out here and, like, got away from the whole athletic side of things and, like, just got away from, like, the life that I knew, I guess. Um, not, I'm not trying to say that I, like, ran away to L.A. to, like, run away from my life either because, like, it was always the plan to move to L.A. But, um, yeah, I don't know. I just definitely was in, like, a lot better headspace mentally, too, because I was like, okay, like, oh, I don't have the pressure of waking up at 6 a.m. for Lyft to go try my best to probably collapse and then feel aching and pain all day like I kind of could just do everything on my own pace which was which was really nice to have for once and just kind of like I, I wasn't being pumped full of antibiotics for three hours a day and like these like terrible terrible infusions so it was honestly just like a perfect way to like freshly start after everything that had happened, but I knew deep down inside of me that this wasn't cured. I knew I still was going to have to deal with this in the future. And even though I'm moving away and everything seems great in this very moment, like I know this is still going to be an issue I'm dealing with the rest of my life. So I just, yeah. Where were you with your life at this point? Did you graduate college and then shortly after graduation move to LA or was your college career interrupted because of your illness? Uh, yeah, so my college career was interrupted because of my illness. I was actually a junior. It was my junior year of college. I had done a semester on campus. That was when I was doing my pick line. Like, I was still a full-time student while I was getting all those infusions. It was the craziest time of my life. Like, I don't know how I passed those classes at all. And then um, I had moved to L.A. for the spring semester of my junior year because I got an internship out here through my best friend at the time film company that's how I got out here and then I've just stayed out here ever since and finished I had two classes left I think for school um technically but I can just finish them online I've just 
had to definitely delay my graduation with school because of the Lyme disease because like I could never wake up right now and go to five classes a day and handle that workload like that's not even a possibility in my mind at the moment like I took five classes last summer and all online and oh my god it was like one of the most challenging things I've ever done and it should not have been that challenging at all and this has been what about two years you've been living in LA yeah about two and a half years so can you walk us through the progression of what happened when you started the oral antibiotics and how that has progressed as time moved on up into the present date with your treatment and your symptoms? So I was on the oral antibiotics the first few months I was out here, and then I eventually had stopped them sometime into the summer because I was just sick of them ripping up my stomach, and I just was like, this is not, like, I cannot just take an antibiotic every single day the rest of my life. Like, this is not going to work. and I honestly just switched at that point to taking CBD oil and smoking weed. I don't, I hope I can say that on here. Um, But those two things kind of became my saving grace and leading to this very present day, the same thing, because I did see a doctor this past fall back in Philly. I flew home for a few days and she had actually diagnosed me with Babesia which is a Lyme disease co-infection, which I had never, that had never been brought to my attention before. So I did take medicine for that, antibiotic, two antibiotics, or an antibiotic and an anti-malarial drug uh, combined for a few weeks with that. And it kind of helped me feel a little bit better. But honestly, to this very present moment, like I, I don't feel as bad as I did a couple years ago, especially pre-pick Lyme. Like that, those were really scary days. Like I am definitely a lot more functional now but I would say the two main things, or and gluten, I guess I, I haven't even spoken about gluten yet today. Um, I don't eat any kind of gluten in my diet because if I eat gluten, it, for whatever reason, like I almost can't get out of bed the next day. Like it just destroys my body. I get so sick. I violently throw up like, and that never used to happen before. Um, all this stuff started happening either. I could eat anything I wanted to. So I'm very careful with my diet. I try to avoid dairy. I'm not completely dairy free, but I try to avoid it. And that sugar as well. Like I, I'm not sugar free, but I, I try my best to at least cut the sugar intake as much as I can. And CBD oil really helps my like aches. It helps my stomach and my nausea. And then smoking weed is honestly been like my life savior. Like I never ever in a million years growing up even up until a couple years ago would have ever thought I would even try to smoke weed let alone like become like an actual like weed smoker but for some reason like whatever is wrong with the whole Lyme disease makeup inside my body when I smoke weed it almost like normalizes me like I don't feel high I just kind of feel normal and I feel like to a nor like explaining that to somebody that has no knowledge about Lyme disease or no just awareness about any of that kind of situation I feel like they would look at me and say like you're really you're crazy like you're just on drugs you're crazy but like first I don't know what it is about weed but if I'm like like you know like Lyme disease obviously you get you all feel like I have the flu my stomach will be killing me my elbows my knees my ankles will be throbbing like I'll have a really bad headache I'll get really I get in these like moods where it's it's almost like I'm suicidal. Like I know I'm not going to kill myself and I would never kill myself. Man, let me make that clear. But like there are some days where I will get so 
sad and like I can't like anything will make me cry type of thing like I will even if I'm having like the best day of my life with my friends like and this happens to me like I will just cry and cry and cry but like if I smoke weed it just kind of masks all that and just it just takes away and everything just stops for the time being and I'm just kind of like okay guys like, what are we doing next it's the weirdest thing ever to me I never would have thought that like that would help so much but it does it really truly helps me like with everything I don't think I would be able to be as functional as I am and do as much as I am still able to do without weed so Madison you've you've gone through a transformational experience you've uh you've really seen the world in a very different way as a consequence of this journey can you tell us how you're different now and how you're better now as a consequence of having gone on your Lyme disease journey I definitely think it's been the most eye-opening experience of my entire life, and I definitely think it's shaped me into the person that I am today, because I, I've i always viewed myself as, like, a pretty smart, educated person, but obviously, when you're young, like, you can be smart, but you're not, you haven't seen it all yet type of thing, and it's like, now, I just feel like I'm so much more grateful for things, because before like I feel like I took a lot of stuff for granted like oh yeah I can run a mile in six minutes oh I'm in so like I'm in great shape I can take a shower no problem whereas some days now it's like I wake up and I'm like oh my god I'm too tired I'm everything hurts like I don't even want to go get in the shower like that's just too much work like I never really thought that that would happen to me per se so I'm a definitely a lot more appreciative and grateful of everything in my life I know that nothing lasts nothing is forever anything can literally change overnight um, I mean, I always kind of have lived by the motto that hard work is everything. Hard work will get you anything. If you just put your mind to something, like anything you put your mind to, you can get to, which is true. But then it can also be taken away in the blink of an eye, which is also true. So it's like, it's kind of shaped me into just being a very strong willed person. And it's like, I know now like what it feels like uh, I mean I'm only 22 and I worked 18 years of my life or something just to have it taken away basically overnight and it was completely out of my control so like that's I, I just am a lot more appreciative of life. So Madison in addition to becoming a more grateful person and someone who recognizes that hard work in many cases is not going to be enough how else has your Lyme disease journey changed you? I think it's just changed me in the sense of like what I want to spend the rest of my life doing just because I know when I was at the lowest points of the low like obviously I ha I have a support system and I have friends I have family and stuff but at the end of the day when you have a disease like this nobody truly understands what you're going through unless they're also going through it and especially something as controversial and as just crazy as Lyme disease is, like being in those situations by myself, like it was some of the hardest days of my life. So I, I really truly want to spend the rest of my life dedicating at least part of what I do to Lyme disease. I want to make, definitely make Lyme disease organizations. I want to have movements for Lyme disease. I want to build my own brand up and just make it known how much of an advocate I am for Lyme disease and help other people like me that maybe don't have as strong as support systems that maybe don't have anybody they don't have any kind of money they can't see any kind of doctor but they are still suffering out there like it basically has just kind of changed my ways of i just want to help people 
So tell us how you went from being a kid who had it really easy and wasn't particularly grateful to somebody who now understands how difficulties could be out of your control and they could be isolating and how you want to help people in that regard. I think I just kind of had a really big wake up call with this entire situation with this Lyme thing, just like, and realized like, okay, there's nothing special about me. Like I can work as hard as I want, but that might not fix anything. Like I don't have all the answers and there's so many other people out there that are suffering worse than I am. And just that don't have the opportunities I do that don't have the support I do that will never maybe even know they have Lyme disease type of thing. And especially once I found out it was such like a, I don't want to say like thrown under the bus kind of disease, but like, it's not something that's like widely talked about. And it's a very big issue and type of thing. And like, I, I don't want to say I feel like I'm privileged because I'm not, there's a lot of people that have a lot more than I do. And like, I'm, I don't come from a rich family by any means or anything like that, but I just definitely do feel as though I have a lot more opportunity um, to spread more awareness and to help out more people in any way I can than some people do. And I almost just want to make like a big community of people with Lyme disease that is like a safe place for people to come and say like, oh my God, like my knees are the size of basketballs, guys. Like, what do I do? Like if I had had like a Facebook group or a group chat to turn to in the days where my knees were swelling up and everybody was all the doctors were telling me I was in heart failure and this is and that like it would have eased just like my mind a little bit more knowing okay other people are going through this too okay it's like a disease out there you're probably not in heart failure it's just what it's coming up as because of Lyme disease and like I feel like there's a lot of just like like, I don't want to say it's like a hidden disease but like nobody really talks about it nobody really knows much about it unless you're dealing with it and going through it and know you have it so I just feel like going from having everything, having my whole life planned out, like having a scholarship to a sport for athletics, having everything just kind of put together to then just having that all ripped from me real quick. Like it just showed me that there's more to life than just like all the, okay, like wake up, go to school, get the nine to five job, do this, do that. Like, like it's show, like your life is to live and like live fully. Like, why not move to LA when I'm 19 and pursue a dream? Like what, why not? Cause tomorrow I could wake up and have a terminal illness type of thing. You know, it's like, it just shows me that life is so short and so unpredictable and just, you just really honestly, truly never know when anything or what's going to happen. So you kind of really just got to live your, you live your damn life. And help everybody out along the way if you can like that that's just my biggest thing now is I want to help other people get through what I've gone through even though I'm so still going through it but I'm definitely on the other end of it so Madison I want to give you an opportunity to help folks who are either in your situation not get reinfected or help folks who are not infected not go through the journey that you went through so if tomorrow morning you receive the call from your mother if you told her she was bitten by a tick what advice would you give her so that she wouldn't get sick and have to go through the terrible journey that you had to go through? I would tell her to immediately go see a doctor. And even if I would tell her, even if they kind of brushed it off and said, oh, like, you'll probably be fine. I would tell her to push for those two week, uh, two, initial two week course of doxycycline, regardless of how she feels, regardless of anything like 
just take the medicine as precautionary because I know, or so I've heard that if you do treat it with being the, like the initial month of you getting the bite or the initial few weeks, like you're fine. So I would absolutely tell somebody who even has the slightest thought of, oh my God, that was just by a take, go to a doctor. And if they tell you no, if they refuse to give you medicine, go to another one. Thank you for listening to the Tick Bootcamp interview with Madison Lewis. To our listeners, we have a call to action. First, if you'd like to learn more about Madison Lewis, please visit our Instagram at lifeofmadison underscore. Second, if you enjoyed this episode of the Tick Bootcamp podcast, please share it with your friends by using the social media buttons you see at the bottom of this post. Third, we here at Tick Bootcamp have created a Tick by Blueprint, which has been inspired by the information that has been shared with us by past podcast guests. We urge you to visit our website at www.tickbootcamp.com to view the blueprint. We would appreciate it if you would contact us with any suggestions you have for improvements. Fourth, don't forget to subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, Google Play Music, or Spotify to get the automatic episode updates of our Tick Bootcamp podcast. And finally, we thank you, our listeners, for your comments on our past podcast episodes. Please take a minute to leave us an honest review on iTunes, on Instagram, or on our website. We make it a point to read every single one of the reviews we get. Thank you for listening.